0: Hi, and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast brought to you by Seasons Leadership, where we focus on helping leaders grow and succeed while building a powerful, supportive community. My name is Debbie Collard, and I'm gonna be your host for today's session. It's my pleasure to also introduce my co-host and the co-founder of Seasons Leadership, Susan Ireland. If you're new to this podcast, please check out earlier episodes where you can find more information for your own leadership development. You can personally reach out to us by rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We love to receive your comments and feedback. If there's a special episode that is your favorite, then take a screenshot of that episode and tag at Women in Leadership on your Instagram or LinkedIn stories, and we'll be happy to reach out and connect with you. Today, we have a very special guest, Denise Shields. Hi, Denise, and welcome. Welcome.
1: Hi Debbie and Susan, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor.
0: Now, let me tell you a little bit about Denise. She's the principal of Shields Resource Group, which is a niche-based Baldridge-based consulting organization specializing in organizational performance excellence. Without exception, the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award recipients are known as the most prestigious organizations in America, with the Office of the President presenting the annual award to recipients. From small to the Fortune 100, Ms. Shields has extraordinary experience in helping organizations by utilizing the Baldrige criteria to accomplish their dreams of performance excellence. She specializes in assisting organizations to set strategies that align continuous improvement to improving results. Denise has the distinguished honor of being selected and named as a Master Examiner to the Baldrige Performance Excellence Program after serving in multiple leadership roles since 1996. Additionally, she actively volunteers locally for the California Council for Excellence, CCE, which oversees the California Baldrige Award for Performance Excellence. She currently serves as the chair of the CCE's Board of Directors. Her success speaks for itself as more clients of Shields Resource Group have been named recipients of state and national Baldrige Awards than any other consultant in the Western United States. Over the last five years, four of her clients have been named National Baldrige recipients, and over the history of her company, she has successfully contributed to 11 organizations that have earned this rare and highly acclaimed recognition. Denise has dedicated over 30 years of her career to customer satisfaction and continuous improvement. The first 20 years she was vice president for a Fortune 100 and award winning service organization. Since then, she has independently led service, healthcare, manufacturing, education, government, and private sector organizations to achieve world class recognition through developing strategies that result in world class performance. Please help me welcome Denise Shields.
2: Thank you, Debbie. Wow. It's an honor to have you uh, with us, Denise, Um, and that is such a great introduction and it's so impressive, but will you tell us a little bit about who you are and what drove you to create what you are currently doing? I will. Thank you uh, again for having me today. It's an honor, and I'm happy to share my story
1: with you. It was actually kind of by happenstance I ended up where I am today. If you would have asked me when I graduated, you know, college, et cetera, w- will you be a Baldridge consultant someday? I would have said, "What's Baldridge?" You know. So sometimes I think in life opportunities come your way, and you just have to be smart enough to realize when they're knocking on your door. But as Debbie said, I had been with a Fortune 100 organization. And I've been there for about 15 years. I was the first woman vice president in the country, which was something I was proud of. They made me play golf with a guys, <laughs> but that's okay. I learned to play golf and I got to play Augusta and all these great places. So that was fun too. But what happened is our organization was very successful and we were bought and sold three times over five years. The last five years I was there and um, Sierra sold us to Bechtel, Bechtel sold us to a company called Syndad, and Sindat was headquartered in Persephone, New Jersey. I had just adopted a little girl from China, and my parents had moved from Texas to California, which is where I reside, to help me raise her. And I could not move to Persephone. So I decided to leave the organization. And about a week later, someone had called me with another organization that was applying for the Baldridge. When I was with the Fortune 100, one of our clients was General Electric and GE had asked us to pursue the voltage, and I was in charge of that mission, and I'd become a national examiner, and so when I received the phone call, they said, we're we're going to apply. Can you help us? I was like, well, sure. I've got time on my hands, and then the next thing I knew, my ex- employer was hiring me back as a consultant. So my 40th birthday, I went down and filed my doing business as Shields Resource Group. And I had a consulting company before I even knew it. And the organization actually won the boulders or my first recipient, the very first year they applied. And so I promise you, it was like, the path was just
0: right there. I just had to be smart enough to take the next steps. Well, recognizing it was in front of you and grasping it. Two different but important things in, in that journey. And I love the part about being on your 40th birthday when you filed your DBA. That's awesome. What a great gift to yourself.
1: <laughs> it was,
0: Indeed. So at Seasons Leadership Program, which Susan and I run, we believe there's a foundational leadership triad of vision or what you want to achieve, mission, why you do what you do, and then values, how you go about doing it or what you align to. Mission or said differently, purpose or your why is a key part of that triad, that foundation. So Denise, what would you say is your why or your mission?
2: I actually
1: have my why on my business card. And it says better business results. And this is dot, 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 period. Um, And when people think of business results, I think sometimes people think of financial results. But I've been very blessed with the clients that I've had the opportunity to serve over the years. And one of my well, I have two favorite stories. I don't know if you have time for both, but I'll tell you one of them. There is a charter school in San Diego, actually called the Charter School of San Diego. And I've been working with them now for about 10 years. And in 2015, they were named a Baldridge recipient. Their mission in this charter school is to take kids that are literally not going to finish, not going to graduate high school for one reason or another. And these kids go to the charter school and they have a 98% high school graduation rate. Which is impressive. These are kids that are homeless. These are teenage pregnancy, you know, issues, um, even boys that are parents at 16, 17 years old, or they're living in a situation where they've got three or four little kids at home, brothers and sisters, and their parents are both working and they have to stay home and take care of the kids. So they're truant. This charter school is dedicated their entire mission, and, and they their vision is called transforming lives. And I am lucky enough to stand on stage at a beautiful place in San Diego called Balboa Park to welcome these kids on stage as they're graduating high school. And I've heard their stories. I've spoken to these kids. Their stories are um, unbelievably sad and touching and yet they're graduating. So they have a pathway towards their future. So when I talk about better business results, I'm talking about things like 98% graduation rate or healthcare statistics, improving mortality, not just making the almighty dollar, If you you do those things well, the dollars will come. But my excitement and my why is knowing that every day when I'm working with a customer, that I'm making a difference in their journey, their business journey, Um, but
0: it's also fulfilling to me. That's a great illustration of your why. Great. But maybe Susan is about to say this too, but now I'm curious. I want to know what the second example is. (laughs) There is a hospital in Los Angeles. It's
1: part of the Adventist system called White Memorial Hospital. It's located in Boyles Heights, which is the gang capital of LA. The hospital is literally surrounded by 35 gangs. And when I first started working with them, one of their key measures was the number of gunshots heard on the campus of the hospital and the amount of graffiti they had to remove. This hospital and their leadership team. Mar Bryant, who's also a Baldur's Examiner, we met first year I was involved and we've been friends and, you know, she's a client of mine now. They've really worked hard to partner with the community and even went as far as to identify the number one gang, which is called Primera Flats. There's 35 gangs around the hospital, but Primera Flats owns 75% of the gang activity. And there's a man there named Mike Garcia who was a leader of this gang. And Mike and I have had the chance to meet him. He's told me his story. He's had like 16 bullet holes. He's been drugged from cars. I mean, the man has died and come back to life. His story is unbelievable. But Mike was in in jail one night. He'd been arrested and he looked across the jail cell in downtown LA and saw his own son sitting across the jail cell from him. And he thought to himself, that was his reckoning. That was his reason to realize he needed to stop the madness because his son was repeating exactly what he had done to, as a leader of his family and the example he had set as a father so he reached out to the hospital he knew someone there and they introduced him to some of the leadership team and now he's actually an employee at the hospital he's uh, his title is gang interventionist, and he is actually on the streets and has convinced the gangs surrounding the hospital that this is the hospital, your grandmother, your your sisters, your mother, you are going to go to. And so they've decreased violence in the ER because before when gangs would have fights, they'd go to the ER and the gangs would continue to fight in the ER. So innocent people were getting hurt. There's no more graffiti on the building. There's no more gunshots heard. We have five years of trend data that says no gunshots. And the whole hospital now is being embraced by the community. So it's really a great story, again, about better business results. If you can create a safe environment for people to receive health care, and this hospital, by the way, has tremendously successful health care outcomes, top decile and infections and mortality and, and all kinds of, of demonstrated results. So it's not just a gang activity. It's also great health care in a very poor environment. Their belief is, we're going to be serving the underserved and giving them top class healthcare which is remarkable mission
2: so i totally applaud them wow you know denise it, it's so inspirational cuz what is what is coming to me is that you are changing the world by amplifying your contributions you know through your baldridge um, processes and increasing your business results look at what, what just those two examples have impacted so many people and you don't even know where the ripple effect is going. That's true. And
1: um, I think that's one of the things that's best about the Baldridge community. Is knowing that we're really making America a better place to live and work. Um, and, and I say that because most people that get involved in the Baldridge community as examiners such as myself, we tend to stay in it for life. Debbie is also a national Baldridge examiner. She knows exactly what I'm speaking of. That's how Debbie and I met originally was through Baldridge, And um, now we're very close personal friends and a lot of the Baldridge community does that. But we all really believe that, in fact, that the beginning principle of Baldridge was based on trying to get America to be more competitive in the international marketplace. It was actually passed by Congress in 1987 underneath the leadership of President Reagan that Baldridge would be something that American businesses could, could compete for. So it's been a great journey. Um, you know, it puts a smile on my face every day. It gets me a little pep in my stuff when I get out of bed in the morning. To fact, like I was with a charter school the last two days. Um, I've got, you know, more work with them coming up and, and other organizations too. And that's the important thing is realizing that you can also choose who your clients are and so if you don't believe in a product or service, I, I've turned down a couple of opportunities in my career because they just didn't match my personal values. Maybe it was a product that I didn't believe in, um, something that I thought may be dangerous. But just to know that you're trying to make the world a better place, you know, one step at a time.
2: Well, speaking about values, what personal value or values are you aligning with as a leader that, okay, you got it. Look at your face. This is yeah. This is this is a fun one for me because
1: um, I mean, obviously, always above everything is your personal ethics, right? But there was a a phrase that I came to know and actually became part of um, implementing it when I was with the Fortune 100 company that I worked with for years. We had a very um, great leadership team. In fact, I think it's probably one of the best, you know, leadership teams histories in the in the country, we had a remarkable culture. And part of our culture was a phrase called preserving the trust. And we believed that if you preserve the trust of the employees that come to work for you, that they will be loyal and engaged. And engaged employees create great customer service representatives, which we were in the service industry. We also believed that when clients signed a contract with us, that our job is to preserve the trust of that client or customer. So we made decisions through that filter, and it really resonated with me. And I was lucky enough to be on the corporate team and actually able to implement that program. It turned into recognition systems for us. We rang the bell once a month and had you know celebrations around who preserved the trust better than somebody else and lots of fun things around that. But that experience carried into Shields Resource Group. So when I take on a new client, I try to identify in my own head and heart, what is the trust they need from me? What is the important thing they need from me? But I also carry that over into my personal life, into my relationships with my daughter, with my family, um, with my friends. Because if you I think some people think that you have to separate business from your personal life. I find that very difficult to do because I am just one person. So I actually find that particular value to benefit me both personally and professionally.
2: Does that answer your question, Susan? Say it to preserve the trust. Preserving the trust. Preserving the trust. Yeah, we used to put preserving the trust, dot, dot, dot. It's 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 it just it really speaks to me because that's where everything starts, right? hmm. Yeah,
1: it does. And ends really when you think about it, because once you once you've broken someone's
0: trust, it's hard to go back. Yes. Long memory <laughs> for things like that. I love that because it's applicable like good values are applicable across every aspect of your life. Right. And you can mm-hmm. measure when it's happening and measure when it's not happening. And uh-huh. it's, it's very clear. Right. Um, Shifting gears just slightly, although it's more kind of going around in a circle because you've told us about a couple of great success stories that you've had and which is aligned with your why or your mission. But come up with another example. I'm sure you can after this 25 years uh, doing this (laughs) Baldrige show. What successes have you seen that you would like to share with our listeners?
1: Do you mean um, overall about my company or about companies
0: I've worked with? Either is fine. We're we're looking for you as a leader or working with other leaders. What successes have you seen in that arena?
1: Okay, and I'm sorry to keep asking you questions, but by C, do you mean like I have personally experienced? That's fine. How, you can do? Or how about, ex- what
2: you most, okay. how about what are you most proud of?
0: There you go. What are you most proud of? Okay, okay. okay.
2: Okay. Um, I actually think I'm most proud
1: of, believe it or not, establishing a company um, that has had the success that I've had, um, but also in conjunction with being a mom. Because when um, I adopted my daughter from China in 1994, my husband had passed away a few years before that. And we had a, an adoption plan and a baby plan. And so I decided to carry out the adoption plan. And it, like, one of the things that I've noticed in my life, throughout my life, is that opportunity seems to knock on my door. What I've realized in my life is that you just have to be conscious. I mean, some I've talked to some of my friends about this. They'll say, oh, somebody happened, and I've decided not to do it. I'm like, well, why aren't you even thinking about it? Because it could change your whole life. I mean, if I had not said yes to that organization that called me after I left my employer, My whole life changed with that one phone call and the same thing with my daughter. So my husband and I had an adoption plan, like I said, and I decided to carry out because I was home for Christmas, home being Dallas, Texas, and my twin brother's ex-wife was working in an organization that specialized in Chinese adoptions. And I wasn't thinking about it at that time, but she showed this video over the holidays about all these beautiful girls in these orphanages in China, and it just spoke to my heart. So when I think about the successes I've had in my life, a lot of them have come to me, but I could have said no to that too, because when you think about it, going to a third world country to bring a complete stranger into your home, it's kind of a risky thing to do. But you know, I remember um, one of my favorite business leaders used to have. He's from the south. He used to have this expression: "Denise, if you don't get off, you know, if you want to run with the big dogs, you got to get off the front porch." You know, so you've got to you've got to take risk in your life, and especially if your gut, if your gut or your inner voice is what I refer to it as, is calling you and giving you this message that this is something you're supposed to do. So I literally went to China nine months later with my mom and nine other people families i should say and we adopted these 10 beautiful girls and today those same people are still in my life we're all dear friends we have reunions every now and then when the girls were growing up we had them every two years and coincidentally um this is a crazy story but this is how the world works we about you know small world one of the other girls in our adoption group turned out by dna to be my daughter's half sister wow yeah, It's crazy. Right. So Anna it now lives in Dallas with her fiance. And this weekend, as a matter of fact, they're coming here and my daughter, and her boyfriend, and they're all four going to Hawaii together next week. So I just think sometimes yeah, all these miracles happen in your life, but you've got to be like really in tune to what's happening around you so you know when to say yes and that's Mm -hmm. happened a couple of times in my life where opportunity came I remember one time I was reading a a I'm a diver a scuba diver and I was reading this dive magazine over lunch one day and the Casteau Society was calling for volunteers and I thought Well, that sounds sounds like fun. So I signed up. It was like 300 people applied. And I think I was one of 30 that I got selected. So I went on a a mission with them to Santa Cruz Island off the Channel Islands in California. And two years later, I went to Fiji with them and helped uh, do underwater photography and hung out with them and learned so much and made some great friends. Are still some of my dearest friends today. So you just have to kind of know... When you're looking at your life, I think sometimes people overplan their lives and they have a mission and they say, I'm going to do that, but they miss opportunities along the way they're knocking on their door. So I would have never, if somebody told me when I lived and grew up in Texas, I would be living in California as a business owner with a Chinese adopted daughter who has a miracle sister, also from China, and all these things I've accomplished, I would have gone, are you kidding me? I would have never believed it. So I'm, I am feel very fortunate. In my life to have so many blessings at the same time, I think sometimes we create our own blessings as well.
2: What's coming up for me, Denise, is circling back to your value of preserving the trust. You have incredible trust in yourself. Mm, That's true. I think sometimes um,
1: when you go through difficult times in your life, you learn what your true grit is. Um, And I I may have had some loss in my life. My mom passed away when I was 16 years old. My husband passed away very unexpectedly, um, shortly after we were married. And those are hard things to overcome. And yet, sometimes you've got to dig down really deep in your soul and learn who you are. You have to learn who you are to be able to survive things like that. I think that's an expression that does not kill you, makes you stronger. And the first time I heard that, I think it was in a movie with Julia Roberts. I forget the name of the movie, but I remember thinking, huh, that's that's pretty true. It really is pretty true. And yet, you know, I mean, I'm blessed to have had my husband in my life. I'm obviously blessed to have my mom in my life, but my dad remarried and, and she's the woman that went to China with me to adopt my baby. So she is fully my mom now and she is fully my daughter's grandmother. And so, you know, you just have to kind of look at things and, and see what lesson that chapter of your life brought you. But also not think of it as an ending, but just that it was meant to be for that period of time, which is how I looked at both my husband and my mom's passing away.
2: Those are great lessons for us all. So you've had a lot of success. Yes. How do you celebrate your successes?
1: (laughs) Okay, well, you might want to edit this, but I I am a spa whore. I do love to go to spas. <laughs> and I have actually a couple of ways I celebrate. I, I will say I have a short-term celebration, celebration um, pathway and also long-term. So my long-term is like taking really great trips. Like I went to Italy two years ago before the pandemic with some dear friends. I went to attend a cooking school um, in northern Italy. And then I met other friends and went on the French water cruise way, a wine tasting trip. So really wonderful things to look forward to. And I would still be doing things like that if it weren't for the pandemic. But I do have a trip coming up I'm looking forward to. But, you know, sometimes celebrations can also be small ones. And believe it or not, because I'm so busy with work, I have to really be cognizant of balance in my life. And I will actually say to you out loud, this is going to sound silly, I know, But just spending time like when I look at my calendar and I project out the next week, I look at how many days I'm working, how many hours. And then I try to figure out, okay, when am I going to see friends? Yeah, I'm going to be booking a lunch, a dinner or a movie or something with my friends. And I'm also and I know Debbie is really committed to this, too. I'm really committed to um, working out and I swim. I have a trainer. And those to me are other ways to celebrate because, you know, I want to celebrate my health and stay healthy because I want to you know, remain as the as best I can be at whatever age I am. And I think sometimes celebrations don't have to be the big trips to Italy. They can also be just over every day, little, little steps that make you feel good. And honestly, spa trips are a great way to do that. And least last but not least is the fact that I buy flowers for myself every single week
2: nice. I do.
1: Every single week I buy myself flowers and they're in my home and they make me happy.
2: That is so, that is so sweet. And you're reminding me, I'm sorry, you just reminded me of my father who passed away years ago, but he used to buy himself flowers every Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Especially since he's a male. I love that. Yes. I love that too. Well, I think in our show notes later, We got to get your list of spas that you're going to. Oh, okay. I can definitely tell you. I've got one favorite that's a killer.
0: You'll love it. Okay. And I can honestly say Denise is a very influential leader because she was the first one who got me to go to a spa and get a massage. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Riverside. Old. I remember that. I didn't know that was your first spa. Oh my gosh. Well, that was fun too. Yeah, so thank you for that, because now I also am a spa whore. Yay! We'll have a club, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a club. It'll be great. <laughs> so shifting gears just a little bit, Denise, would you say that you were prepared to step into the leadership roles that you've had, and why or why not? You know, that's an interesting
1: question, because I... I have two answers to that. No and yes. The first leadership role I had working for my Fortune 100 organization, I was not prepared. And the organization was, even though they were very large and successful, back then we did not have the same understanding of the importance of leadership training as we do today. Um, And I was thrown into a leadership role because I was good at what I did. And yet being a leader is a completely different set of skills. And um, I, I kind of feel bad for the people that report, reported to me back then because I look back and I realize I was not coaching and mentoring them to the, their needs. Today, I follow Ken Blanchard's situational leadership model, um, which I, I just really believe in. And so I, I look to how I can serve the partners and, and other consultants that work for me um, I I look at them individually and and try to understand how I could best serve them. But back then I was simply just doing what I thought was the right thing to do. And basically that was just mimicking other leaders' behaviors that I had worked for, some successful, some not successful. So I don't think I was really prepared then, Um, but I'm grateful for the experience though. I may have, you know, stepped on a few toes along the way, but today I think I was fully prepared for this role. I think that, Again, it was an opportunity that came my way. It was the right timing for me, for my personal life with my daughter, as well as my professional life. And so, yes, I think, I think there's, just, yeah, but depending on where you are in your own journey as a leader, sometimes you're prepared, sometimes you're not prepared. But this particular role I'm in today, I fully believe I was prepared.
2: I want to dig a little deeper into that. Um, how did you step into your leadership role today? Did you have a roadmap or... A plan? Yes and no. There we go again. Sorry about that. But um,
1: yes and no. I will tell you that one of the things that I have found personally to guide me through my entire life, and again, I'm not separating business from personal, is many years ago, um, a dear friend of mine who has since passed away, she was like my my daughter's, she's from China, so she was like my daughter's Chinese auntie. She worked at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel chain. And she really believed in goal setting. And every year, she and another friend of ours, the three of us would sit down and we had five categories. We had financial, career, personal, and personal can mean anything you want it to mean. Then we had our um, spiritual and then our physical goals. So we had those five categories and all of us worked on our own goals and we came together and we we would put them in writing and discuss them with each other in January of every single year, if you look back on those goals of mine, adopting a daughter was no, was not adopting a daughter. Adopting a child was on my list. Starting my own company was on my list. So I think sometimes that you have to have intention. But it's not out of balance with what comes your way. So even though I had the goals being set, I didn't prescribe a pathway, per se, of how to get there. I just focused on those things. And then when opportunities came towards me that fit those goals, I took advantage of them. And I'm not going to also say that sometimes you realize your goal is not appropriate. So there's been a couple of times I've got, you know what, that was not a good goal to put down. But I think that those five areas for, for the three of us created a balance, a focus on not just like a career path and not just a, a path as a parent or a path as a friend, but a well-rounded path that I think is important to people to find balance in their lives. And I still struggle with that, to be frank with you. I tend to get, and Debbie knows this, I tend to get really overly uh, committed to my work. It's It's hard to say no for me to my clients. But at the same time, I know that if I do get overly committed to work, I'm not as healthy mentally or physically as I need to be. So I think one of the things that's come with for me because I'm in my 60s now is the wisdom um, of knowing, OK, I need to pull back and I need to focus on myself or a relationship that's important in my life or whatever it may be. So um, I think balance is really, I would call the pathway to answer your question, but understanding that everybody's journey is different. And just because someone else has a journey one way doesn't mean that your journey has to be that way.
2: It, you're making me inspired to do the five, the five goals. It
1: works. Yeah. It, it works. I'm telling you, it works. And we, yeah. we all, we get together. We would, every year go. we would review our prior year goals. We would first sit down. We're like, oh
0: my gosh, this is working for all of us. It was so powerful. And you can count them on one hand. That's amazing. Yes, So you've had lots, lots of opportunities in your life, but you've had challenges in your life as well. What role would you say resilience has played in your journey? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Resiliency is actually uh, a very important word today. And one of my dearest friends, Eileen McDar, is an author promoter of resiliency. She's written so many books on resiliency. And she uh, lives just a few blocks away from me. So I'm fortunate to spend time with her, although I haven't seen her since the pandemic. But we used to spend a lot of time just talking about resiliency. And I think that organizations sometimes tend to burn people out. And that's one of the important uh, aspects of working for yourself is realizing you're in charge of your your own resiliency. And that's where the spas come in handy. And that's where the balance comes in handy um, to to do all that. But resiliency can mean many, many things and different things to different people. And I also know that I believe resiliency is an innate uh, character that people are sometimes born with or not born with. There's people that just give up so easily, and you're like, "What's wrong with you? You've got to keep going." And some people just have more of a natural tendency to be able to do that. So I think resiliency could also be something that you purposely put in front of yourself and and have a goal towards. But for those people that are not born with that resiliency innate trait, I'm so sorry because you were shortchanged on the journey of, of DNA because. Resiliency is key, especially in today's world. We I mean, look at all the challenges we're all facing from, you know, all kinds of aspects. But again, I think it's something you can learn and purposely intend to adapt to. And even if you were not born with it, you can achieve it. You just have to put focus on it. I think the people that were born with more of ability for resiliency, I mean, good for you, but don't take advantage of it, you know, celebrate it, focus on it. Because I think the resiliency is actually a very important key to happiness.
0: Well
2: said. Taking on to that, what are the greatest leadership challenges that you are facing right now?
1: Balance still.
2: Still, with all
1: I've said, I still
2: struggle with balance.
1: Um, it's, It's hard because I have... A lot of long-term clients, and frankly, a lot of my clients have become very important to me personally. But we're close. I mean, you know, Debbie's an example of that. I met Debbie when she was an uh, executive with Boeing, and you know, we became dear friends over the years. And that's true of many of my friends. I mean, I've been to the Grammys with one of my clients, and she and her husband and I go on vacations together now together. So it's you know, there's a lot of different things like that. But I think that um, I think that balance is really um, key, but it's hard because you you like what you do like I love what I do and the blessing and I hate to say that because I've had so many people in my life really be hurt and you know even a lost cousin from COVID but a blessing for me as an outcome of COVID has been the ability to work from home I used to travel all the time every single week and I actually had an experience last year in the middle of COVID. I was driving down, I've got a convertible. I was driving down Coast Highway, and it was a really hot day in our area. And there was a fog bank coming in over the Pacific Ocean, and the fog was cold. And I was at a red light, and this fog hit me, and juxtaposed to the heat. And it it gave my skin chills. And I honestly don't think I would have noticed that a year prior because I was so busy with work. And when that happened, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, you know, this is kind of a cool situation. You got the heat from the weather and the the cold from the fog. And it kind of hit me that, wow. And then I've noticed I'm listening to music more. I think that the challenge I have is, is going to be in the future if trying to retain this blessing that. The lifestyle that unfortunately the COVID pandemic has offered me personally, I've been able to exercise more because I'm home more. I'm eating my own foods, organic foods and things. When I'm on the road traveling, I don't have the opportunity to do. So I feel healthier. I feel like I look healthier. And I am worried about keeping that balance because I like my life a lot now for lots of different reasons. And I don't want to lose that going forward. So I think that that's a challenge I'm going to have to be really uh, in tune with and focused on to make sure that I keep a, a lifestyle that I'm as happy with as I am today.
0: Well, let's keep going with that vein while we're on that, because you said balance is the leadership challenge that you're facing, and you're going to have to stay in tune with that, you know, going forward in the future. So what action are you going to take to optimize achieving your priorities, but still maintaining that balance where you can notice blessings and notice the... Marine layer coming in off the Pacific while you're in the sunshine.
1: Yeah. that's
0: What action are you going to
1: take? I actually have to say, share with you. I've been thinking about that a lot, Debbie. One thing I know is that um, I've, I've had very, very candid conversations with my clients about the success of Zoom and Teams versus in person. And I think we're all in agreement. I don't have one client that's asking me to be there personally. And so I think we've all mastered, as you guys have, you guys are doing a great job um, of using this technology. I mean, when you think about the producer in Tennessee and Debbie in Texas and Susan in the Northwest and I'm in California, we're all over the country right now. but We're together and I don't feel like we're apart. And so that's a blessing. So I think what I'm going to do with intent is to try to retain as much of this type of work versus getting on an airplane, which are very unpredictable today anyway, mm-hmm. um, and, and traveling all over the country to do the same things I can do on Zoom or Microsoft Teams. So I think being at home and being able to work from home will still allow my clients to be as successful as they have. But at the same time, it, it's not a burden on me. And so I, I really need to kind of put myself first if you... If, That makes sense, because I think if I'm healthier and better, I will be able to still serve others
0: better, too. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense.
2: So what advice would you give other women embarking on a leadership journey today? I love working with women. Um, You know, I think that women need to
1: support one another um, in business. And sometimes I see women that are trying to compete with men. And I'm thinking, why are you competing with the men? Just do do your thing, you know? And I guess I'm blessed because I was the first woman on this incredible leadership team, which will be a fond memory of mine forever. But I wasn't competing with the guys. You know, the the guys wanted me. They invited me to be part of their team. And I think that women also bring... um, some skills and some characteristics to a leadership team that is needed and as well as as diverse as you can possibly be in today's world, right? I mean, the, the more different we are, the better our outcome is as a whole. So I would encourage other women to be very confident about who you are and what you want to achieve by also being kind and respectful to others I don't think it's a competition of you versus someone else. I think we're all here to serve a customer, to serve an employee together. And how can you partner with other people? And I I really uh, dissuade women from competing in the business world because I don't think that's going to serve anybody well. I think Seeing the partnerships and the women and men that I've worked with in the Baldridge community, man, talk. I mean, we're all volunteers. First of all, maybe there's something special about the volunteers, but we have got each other's backs all day long. And I, I've I've never worked with a group of people that are just as fine, outstanding people as the Baldridge community examiners, especially. So, um, and you just don't see that kind of competition there. You really don't. I mean. One of the other consultants in the country that's as successful or more so than me uh, happens to be someone that's one of my best friends. And we give each other work all the time. We love to work together. So it doesn't have to be competitive. I think that people need to approach it from a win-win situation. What can I bring to the party? But let me respect what you bring to the party, too, and take advantage of all that and try to find goodness in that whole that we all create together.
0: Absolutely. That is fantastic, Denise. Um, We're coming to a close for the podcast today, but we do have one final fun question for you. (laughs) If you could be any cartoon character or famous person, um, who would that be and why? Um, Well, from a
1: cartoon character, that's interesting because my daughter works for Disney. So I have to go to Disney characters right away. Um, I know exactly who I would be because, as I said before, I'm a scuba diver and I would want to be the Little Mermaid. Uh (laughs) Yeah, I, I liked that movie a lot. It's always stayed with me, but I, I just um, I love the music. I thought that they did a fantastic job with that movie and I, I love being underwater. And so I, I always fantasize that I could be a little mermaid somewhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you live in the right environment for it,
1: too. I live in the right and I travel to the right environments for that, too. Most of my vacations are around waters. So
2: <laughs> That's one of my favorites, too.
0: Oh, that's wonderful.
2: All right. Well, thank you, Denise. I just want to, I was going to say thank you to both of you. You guys have hosted
1: this show beautifully. So thank you so much.
2: Oh, um, well, I want to say you. thank you, Denise, for taking the time to share your personal stories and inspirational ideas with us today. And thank you also to the people who make this podcast happen. We couldn't do it without you. Marianne Metz, the media and brand manager for Women in Leadership. Lauren Penning, our communications and marketing leader for Seasons Leadership. And of course, Eric Wilson, our producer for the Women in Leadership podcast. Thank you to you all. Please tune in on Women Wednesdays for upcoming episodes where we will be interviewing more leaders just like Denise. We will see you next time and have a great day.